Recovery Elevator, Episode 10. There comes a point where you have to make the decision, and I made it that moment. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. According to my Recovery Elevator Sobriety Counter app, I have been sober for seven months, two weeks, four days, 21 hours, and 48 minutes, and seven, eight, nine, 10 seconds, which is awesome. And Recovery Elevator, I am back from almost one month on the road, eight nights in Vegas, which is eight nights too many if you are in early sobriety. But I'm back. I was in the lion's den. I had close calls, but I am back. Thank you to those who reached out for me and helped me stay sober. In today's podcast episode, I am going to introduce Recovery Elevator's newest program, Shredding the Shame, which I'll get to in just a second. I've also got Maggie on the podcast who has just 14 days of sobriety, but she's doing it. She made the choice to quit drinking and she is well on her way. And after that, in the You Might Be an Alcoholic If segment, I'm going to be using lines submitted from you guys, the listeners, so listen up. And also, I'm going to give Tommy from Norway a shout out at the end of the episode, so listen up. Shredding the Shame. Thank you, Maggie, for giving us this great name for this program. Shredding the Shame is reason 768 of why I have started the Recovery Elevator podcast. I was full of shame and guilt about being an alcoholic. And that is why I kept my deepest, darkest secret closest to my sleeve and only my mom, dad, and my brother knew for nearly a decade. And here's where I am right now in my sobriety and in my alcoholism is I am not ashamed. My name is Paul Churchill. If you didn't hear that right, it's P-A-U-L-C-H-U-R-C-H-I-L-L. And I'm an alcoholic and I'm not ashamed. I am not a weak person. I am not an awful person. I am an alcoholic. I have a predisposed genetic makeup that when I am confronted with enough alcohol, which I consumed a lot of, my body chemistry and most importantly brain chemistry will eventually change and modify and I will become an alcoholic, which I did about 10 years ago. And that's who I am, an alcoholic. And I am not ashamed. So here's the program. Send us a photo a selfie of yourself and let us know how long you have been sober. And here's the milestones. The first 30 days, any time within the first 30 days, I don't care if you take your last drink or shot, say you're done, take a selfie, submit it, put your name on it and say 36 seconds, any time in the first 30 days. Again, the milestones. Again, here are the milestones that I want to hear you from and send us new photos. You will see a drastic physical change in these photos one month. Three months, six months, nine months, one year, two years, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Every year after that, send us a photo and tell us how long you've been sober because this is a congratulatory program. You should not be shameful. You should be proud that you are sober. And to launch this program, myself and Kelly, who is the content contributor to the recoveryelevator.com blog and does the majority of the Facebook posts, We will be putting our sober selfies up there for the Shred the Shame program. So check it out. Go to recoveryelevator.com, click on the Facebook link, or just type Recovery Elevator in the Facebook search bar. You will find us. Like the page. Email us at info at recoveryelevator.com or submit it through the Facebook. Send us a photo and just tell us your name and how long you've been sober for. Be proud. We are going to shred the shame. 
I found a fantastic resource online at www.foundationsrecoverynetwork.com. And this will be in the show notes for podcast episode 10, as well as under the resources page for the recoveryelevator.com website. Now, this page is too vast for me to even try to give it credit, but if you're struggling with alcohol, visit this page. You will find immense resources that are very useful. But on their about page, they have mentioned that their goal as well is to break the social stigma of alcoholism. They also talk about a national survey saying about 22 million people are in need for help for their addiction and substance abuse problems each year, but only about 3 million people receive it. Why? Because of this social stigma. We ride this thing out to the bitter end and our elevators go pretty far down before we finally reach out and get help. I can only imagine with cancer, for example, if there was 22 people with the disease cancer, alcoholism is a disease. So if there was 22 million people with cancer, I'd hope there would be near 22 million people reaching out and getting help for their cancer problem or disease. But that's not the case with alcoholism, and that needs to change. We are now going to get into the interview portion of the podcast with Maggie. Before I do so, I want to let you know how I got to know Maggie. It was April 10th, my birthday, good day. I was in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and after being on the road for nearly 20 days, I was lonely. You know how I've said the relapse happens way before the first drink? After 20 days on the road, I was struggling to keep my schedule. Overnight flights. It's hard to eat right. It's hard to keep a routine. It's hard to find these AA meetings that are so gosh darn anonymous. They're basically impossible to find. And then I received an email from Maggie, and she reached out to me. And this is a two-way street because it helped me stay sober. And had it not been for that email, who knows? Eight hours later, I had a very close call with drinking, which I described in the previous podcast episode. But who knows? If I hadn't received that email, things might have gone differently. So I need to say, Maggie, thank you again for that. The majority of our interviewees on this show have had long durations of sobriety, be it six months, one year, two, three, four, five years. But Maggie has 14 days of sobriety, which is absolutely incredible. And Maggie, thanks for giving recognition to the Recovery Elevator podcast, but I got to say it. This is all you. You can do this and you have done this. Let's hear from Maggie. And Recovery Elevator, at this time, I'd like to welcome Maggie to the podcast. Maggie, how are you? Hey, Paul. I'm doing great. Thanks. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us. Now, Recovery Elevator, Maggie is somebody I have never met, and we met through this wonderful thing called a podcast. She sent me an email on April 10th this year. And Maggie, if that's okay, can I, can I read it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. It says, thank you, Paul, for your podcast. I woke up this morning desperate to stop drinking again and went looking for something to help me through the first four hours of the first 24 or the first hours of the first 24. I've been working on sobriety since June last year. I've tried AA, smart, etc. I managed to get a couple days, then drink again. Just like your purpose with your webcast, I'm telling you so I am accountable. I have a date tonight. I'm nervous about doing it sober. He doesn't have a drinking problem. Will he be supportive? I'm sure it's just my nervousness. So Maggie, tell me about that email. And I'm so glad you reached out to me because it's a two-way street. I was in Argentina at that time and I was lonely and I read your email and it helped me stay sober and kept me accountable. But Maggie, Tell me about that day. What happened on April 10 when you decided to reach out? So that morning, I was done. I just didn't want to feel bad anymore. I didn't want to feel 
hungover. I didn't want to feel uh, tired. I didn't want to feel like I let my daughter down. I didn't want to feel like I was failing work. I didn't want, I didn't want all that stuff. And so it was a, it was a decision. And there comes a point where you have to make the decision. And I made it that moment. And I said, I'm not going to do this. And I went looking for people like you. And I found tons of recovery things. And, and I hope everybody can find something that resonates. But I needed something to hold on to. And you were something I could hold on to. Well, Maggie, I'm so glad you reached out. And we'll get back into that moment of clarity, which I think you're getting at. But first off, I'm going to answer the first question myself. Maggie, according to your Recovery Elevator sobriety app, you've been sober for 14 days, 7 hours, right? And you saved $343 and over 11,000 calories. So I'm just going to do it right now, Maggie. That's me clapping. Congratulations. Yay! Yeah, do it, girl. That is Me too. so awesome. I'm clapping too. Yes. That is so amazing. And that's what makes this whole podcast worth it. So thank you so much for that. And and what happened in June of 2014? Was it something like a moment of clarity or yeah, what what finally got the ball rolling in this in this in the world of sobriety? So this is precious. Okay? And you have to hold on to this with me. Someone I love, someone who, who loves me dearly said, baby, baby, you deserve a better life than this. And, oh my God, that resonated, that took my body, that took my life a different place. And I knew that I had to stop because I wanted a better life. And for him to go, baby, you deserve a better life than this. And it stopped me. So if you're, for you, you deserve a better life. For your friends that are there and your, anybody who's close to you, they deserve a better life. And Maggie, that is what something I talked earlier in previous episodes is this really is a matter of life and death and not so much in the mortal being, but you're not living when you're drinking and that's how I was I just wasn't living life my passions went out the window and Maggie you sent me an email yesterday with a photo it, it looked like your daughter and all of her friends and and that's <laughs> what you're staying sober for you're, you're living life and and tell me more about that what are you looking forward to and why you're doing this sobriety thing yes yeah, so so I sent you a picture of Chelsea my daughter and she doesn't mind being called out and all her crew and they love being present. They love being accountable. And they want to be sober. These are kids that don't drink. They don't want to use uh, any kind of drugs. They want to be accountable. They want to be excited about life. And it's new. And it, it invigorates me. It gives something back to me. And so when I take that picture of Halen with a green hair and Chelsea at the top of the stairs with her dark hair looking down and just wondering, what am I doing with all this? It's accountability. It's being present for my kids, for the community. I don't know what you're doing in Montana for, for other people, for other kids, for other 
groups, but I hope you're reaching them because you touched me and you brought me forward. I am now sober. I keep you every day in everything I do because you're part of my program. So thank you. Oh gosh, Maggie. <laughs> Thanks for telling me that. Um, and Maggie, we're at 14 days and you've got your sales set and it looks like you are entering uncharted waters. And tell me about yeah. these life stressors yeah. right? that, that happened. Yeah. You've got kids and I know someone's going off to college. <laughs> I have a poodle with an upset tummy right now and it's, <laughs> it's, it's so hard to deal with. But tell me about the life stressors and how you plan to deal with them when you get to 21 days to one month. And tell me more about that. So I'm asking everybody for help because I don't know. All right. I'm, I am ignorant. I am stupid on this. I am well-educated. I went to college. I have a degree. It's hanging on the wall. But I can't do this by myself. So I am talking to people like you. I'm reaching out to Women for Sobriety, giving the shout-out for the girls. And I know you're not aligned with any of that, but you need to know that there are groups, there are people that are specific and can support you in what you're doing. And so don't hesitate in reaching out. That was the thing I learned this time around that's very different from, very, from June of last year. So now I am calling people. I'm saying, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to negotiate a, a, a new work agreement. I don't know how to uh, go to Denver with my daughter and take her and be sober. And so I'm, I'm asking people for input, which is very different than what I've done. And so all of, everything I've gotten back so far is like, okay, don't stay at a hotel that gives you alcohol. All right. So I'm staying at a place that doesn't have alcohol as part of their service. All right, that's mm -hmm. good. Um, I'm exercising. I'm, like you said, you, you brought out last week, just go for a mile walk so or run and then increase it to two and then to three. All right, so I'm just doing a mile today. That's all I can do. <laughs> but I'm excited about that. Maggie, what you've said already tells me you've got the key points down. You're inadvertently creating accountability by talking about future events such as Denver. Now, I understand you're going to go to Denver at the end of May for a trip, and you're going to come back, and this is early sobriety, and this is why we're going to have you on podcast episode 11 to make sure you made it through sober to hold you and us accountable. How do you feel about that? I'm there because... Looking forward to that, then I know I can be accountable. Looking forward to it, then I know I have a presence. Looking forward to it. Women for Sobriety, the other thing I've done with them every day is that they do a, a reach out all on the Internet. And you hold each other's sister by hand, and I'm going to be sober for the next 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And so... That accountability is present in my day, and I won't let them down. I can't because there's another 60 people behind me that'll be falling down. So sobriety is so critical 
for me right now. I can't, I can't suffer myself from it. And so people like you, when I talk to you and I hear about what you're doing and what you've done in Argentina and coming clean with that girl, and I need those stories. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Maggie. And let's back it up a little bit and chat about the podcast title, Is the Elevator. When did you know that it was time to quit drinking? And, and talk to us a little bit about your drinking habits and maybe you know something bad that happened in drinking or were you just fed up with it? <laughs> <laughs> you want to know about the phone, don't That's you? That's exactly what I was getting at. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tell us about All the right. phone. All right. So I'll tell you about the phone. All right. So... I'm on a call for work, and I'm not seeing them physically, but I'm on a call, and I'm holding my cell phone, and they're saying really stupid stuff, okay? And normally, if I wasn't drinking, I would have confronted them and said, you know, this might be a better way to handle it with the customer and so forth, and I didn't. So I took my phone, and I bang. Bang, bang, all right? And I'm not saying any cuss words at all, but there were cuss words that were associated with that moment. And I had to let it go. And that was one big recognition that I can't drink anymore because I can't deal with my frustration, my anger. So one of the things I've had to learn how to do is how to be angry because it's okay to be angry, Mm -hmm. how to be angry and not act on it. How do you do that, right? How do you be pissed off about something and go, I'm not going to take action on it. I'm not going to beat the hell out of my phone. And I still don't have a cell phone now. (laughs) I don't have a cell phone right now because I beat the hell out of that one. Yeah, we're doing this on a landline. Like it's a, a podcast from the early 90s. Yeah. That's, that's great. And <laughs> if it's okay with you, Maggie, listeners can go to recoveryelevator.com, go to episode 10 show notes. There will be a photo of this destroyed <laughs> phone. And the best part of the email that I got from Maggie is the photo is taken from the iPad, which is <laughs> which is not going to be destroyed. I love it. And Maggie, it, 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 from the photo, you could have said every swear word in the book because there's no way any cell transmissions are going to get through that phone anymore. That thing is toast. <laughs> I think it's done. So it's a multiple pieces. But the thing is that I'm still committed to sobriety. I'm still committed to doing this. I don't want to drink. I don't want my life to be about this. So do this with me. Stand up with me. So you, so one of the email questions you asked, and I don't care that you're not asking it now, is how did you get through the first 24? Okay, please. The first 24 sucked. It hurt. I was in pain. I sweat. I was uncomfortable. I smelled bad. Everything was wrong in my life, okay? But I got through it. So do it. And the way to get through the first 24 is make a salt water bath. You all have salt in the cabinet. Make a big bathtub. Put a ton of salt in it. It will draw the toxins out. You will feel better. 
sit there for 30 minutes till you're pruny. Remember when we were little kids and we would get pruny? Remember? Get pruny and sweat all that stuff out. Eat right, okay? For the first 24, eat comfort food, macaroni and cheese, things that make you feel good. Don't don't give up, all right? Don't go, it's 8 o'clock at night. I can just go get a drink. Don't do it. Listen to Paul. I listen to Paul all day long. I listen to all your podcasts. And that's what got me through to the next day. And so then I thought, well, if I got through this part, I don't want to do it again. So let me go through it and let me breathe. And then you came out with all your specifics in episode nine about working out, going for a walk, all those things. Please do that. And Maggie, that specific taking the bath with the salt, that's something that I wanted to write down, but then I stopped writing. I actually wrote three letters and I stopped writing because I'm not going to be in my first 24 hours ever again. And I can't say God, that. With a, I don't want to do I, it again. But I can't say that with 100% certainty because I'm only taking this one day at a time. I seriously started to write it down just in case, but I was like, no, I'm not. But. That is fantastic advice that I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to get extreme value from. So thank you so much for that value tidbit. And Maggie, in one of your emails to me, you had a line that I absolutely love and I'm quoting you right here. And I will be using this line in future podcasts. You are, you would like to shred the shame of recovery or how you said it, you are shredding the shame in recovery, right? And that is the shame of stigma, basically the social stigma we have of being an alcoholic. And I love the way you phrased it. And talk to me more about that, of the stigma of being an alcoholic and getting away from it. So we are all condemned, or, or we feel condemned. And what I don't want you to do is feel condemned. Have the hope, Paul. That's why I, I glommed on to you. That's why I was like holding on to you, because she said, have hope. So I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel like I'm an awful person. I don't want to feel like I have all these shortcomings. I want to feel empowered. I want to feel confident, caring, compassionate. And those are the things I want in my life. And so even though I may be an alcoholic and I may be an addictive person, those are the things that are also part of me that I can, I can pull up and I can live upon and I can, I can make my life be about. It won't be about being an alcoholic. It's going to be about being strong and demonstrating that not only for my daughter but for her friends, for other people in my life. That's what I want it isn't about being someone who's fallen. You can be about the strength and the go-forward presence of life. And I think of what you're saying is being an alcoholic does not define you. It's what you do after the fact, and I, I love it. We have reached the rapid fire round here. So we answer these questions, quick 20 to 30 second answers. And if they go over, no worries. Number one, what do you think was holding you back in the first place from drinking? It was the comfort I thought I got, but I don't get. 
So if you think you get comfort from alcohol, you don't. What was your aha moment or what finally gave you the courage to quit drinking? It was the moment when I said, I want a different life. I want to explore. I want to live. I want to feel something better than what I feel. And alcohol doesn't give me that. And Maggie, what is your favorite resource in recovery? iPods. Um, So every podcast, not just you, but I look up AA Recovery. There's AA Wellington online. So they have it with that. With, you know, that Australian New Zealand accent, which is kind of fun. (laughs) I can't do. There are other people, uh, um, Women for Sobriety, everything online. So you have to connect. I have to connect online. I wake up in the morning. I play my podcasts. I know when you're going to post Safe Recovery, post Tuesday nights. Uh, Harm Reduction is every other week. Uh, Wellington Online is once a month. So find those podcasts. Keep them connected to you and embrace it all because then you're around recovery 24-7. Absolutely. And listeners, we are all on the same team at the recoveryelevator.com show notes page. These resources will be listed there with the links. All right, next question. Maggie, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Other than don't pick up, don't open the drink, don't take the first sip, um, you know, that's all easy. Um, But that's the best part of life is I'm so glad I reached out to you. And so what you have shown me is that reach out, reach out to someone, embrace them all. Because you never know where that new love, that new vibrancy is going to come from. And it's been exciting. Ever since you, I've been so empowered. I've been reaching out to all these crazy people, and they're writing me back. (laughs) Wow. All right. (laughs) All right. So, um, but we're having a great time, and they're learning a lot, and I hope I give someone else hope through it. And Maggie, thanks for naming Recovery Elevator as a vital resource, but this is all you, Maggie. This is 100% you. I just want you to know how spectacular it is that you've been sober for 14 days, and that is 100% on you. So I want you to know that how tremendous of an achievement that is. And Maggie, last question. What parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are thinking about quitting drinking? Stop today. Stop right now. Stop right now. Pour it out. You can pour it out and you can do something different. And then put a plan in place. You were so smart in drinking, whoever it was. You could drink, you could get, you could hide, you could move it, you could dispose of it, even disposing of it, whether it was in a green environment or whatever it was, you were still drinking. So put all that energy into something that is sober and you'll feel so excited about your life. 
Maggie, I just want to say thank you for reaching out because when I read that when I read that email on April 10, it helped me stay sober. If you listen to the last podcast episode, there was kind of a close call. So Maggie, thank you for helping me stay sober and thank you for joining us on the Recovery Elevator podcast. All right, thanks Paul. Recovery Elevator, you might be an alcoholic if. These next two come from Lynn. You might be an alcoholic if you search out recovery podcasts on iTunes instead of songs. You might be an alcoholic if you sit outside of the liquor store and try to talk yourself out of going in to buy booze. These next two come from Tommy all the way out in Norway. You might be an alcoholic if you go to a large bookstore with your wife and tell her that you need to go to the restroom and thereafter just look at some books in the technical section and then you run out and then you run out over the street to the pub on the other side, order two pints and bottoms up in five minutes before going back into the bookstore and tell your wife, oh, didn't find any interesting books. You might be an alcoholic if, when checking out of the hotel after a four-day stay, the receptionist looks at the bill for the mini bar items charged to the room and asks twice, Sir, are you sure this is correct? You might be an alcoholic if, having a secret storage of alcohol in the back of your garage and in a ventilation duct above the bathroom. Please submit your You Might Be an Alcoholic If stories. They can be serious. They can be funny at info at recoveryelevator.com. I'd like to give a shout out to Tommy all the way out in Norway. First off, thanks for listening. Tommy, you created accountability by telling me in an email, you are going to be the 5% of the 5%. What I mean by that is in earlier episodes, I had mentioned only 5% of people when they choose to stop drinking actually make it to 90 days, 5%. That is a bleak figure and we are trying to work on that. And then the next 5% of that 5% only make it to two years. I have made it to the 5% in the 90 days. I'm at seven months, two weeks, but I will do everything in my power as well with you, Tommy, to reach two years. So we both can be the 5% of the 5%. And Tommy, let us know how you are doing. And when you reach the first 5% landmark, let us know. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast Recovery Elevator, Episode 10. I know your time is valuable. And to summarize this episode, we are going to shred the shame of drinking, of being an alcoholic, the stigma surrounding alcoholism. Reach out. Be accountable. Reach out to myself, info at recoveryelevator.com. Let us know on the Facebook page. Reach out to somebody, anybody. Create that accountability because you can't do this alone and you're not alone. I personally felt like I was the only person who was struggling with alcohol. I felt so alone for nearly a decade. All my friends were drinking. Everybody around me was drinking. It was the normal thing to do. I thought I was weak. I thought I was a bad person. I was struck with guilt. Why couldn't I control this? While my brother, he could stop drinking after two beers. Why, when I had that first drink, I couldn't stop. And I would have five, 10, 15 drinks in one night. And towards the end, I would keep drinking the next morning if I woke up still drunk. I wanted so bad to be able to drink like a normal person. And I still have this obsession. That's a key component of being an alcoholic. When you quit drinking, there always will be an obsession to return to drinking like a normal person. 
but I've said this before, being an alcoholic, Paul Churchill, myself, it does not define me. It's what I do from this point moving forward. This podcast does not replace any 12-step programs. This is just a resource of many that you need to have in early recovery. Because let's face it, if you are serious about quitting drinking, this is going to be tough. For me, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I hope that's not the case for you. But it may be. But there's too much on the line to not go about this 100%. There is no gray area with this. It's black and white. You're either sober or you drink. And say you do drink at that one moment and you drive home and you get a DUI. You wreck your car. You might run into somebody. You might kill somebody. Again, I don't want you to listen to the Recovery Elevator podcast out of fear. I want you to listen to this podcast out of hope. Hope for a better life. You deserve a better life. Do you think your higher power, your God, whoever's out there, the greater being, wants you to be suffering, wants you to be addicted to a substance called alcohol? You are 100% incorrect. That is not true. I deserve a better life. Maggie deserves a better life. Tommy, you deserve a better life. Please listen to this out of hope for a better life. You took the elevator down. You got to take the steps back up. You can do this.